0: Have you ever thought about how the gospel actually affects your productivity? That's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. You know, we think a lot about on this podcast, how the word of God affects our everyday lives, our work, our productivity, but specifically how does the gospel change the way we view our work? How does the good news that Jesus Christ has come, he has died for our sins, he has imputed to us a righteousness, not our own. How does that affect what you do at your nine to five job or as you are working in the home or whatever it is that you do with your time? That is the subject of today's episode. Let's get into it. Well, welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done for the glory of God. That's not the intro. I think I say, helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. I always mess that up, but it's fine. It's a podcast. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, like I said in the intro, we're talking about the gospel today, and uh, I'm excited about this one. I've been looking forward to talking about it. I think I say that about every episode because I'm just excited about talking to you guys about productivity and the christian life. So in this one, I wanted to dig deep specifically into the gospel. And you know, there was a movement and I guess it's still around today, but everything for a while was called gospel centered this, gospel centered that. And um you know, sometimes it got a little bit crazy, you know, the the gospel centered janitor or something like that, <laughs> which I do think it's possible to be a gospel centered janitor. I was a janitor for a while and um I I tried to be pretty gospel centered, but my point is I I don't want this to be sort of like putting a thin veneer of the gospel on top of something like productivity that as I've created this show for the past several years, that has been my purpose is to actually go deep, to think about how our, our worldview is completely reshaped by God's word such that our productivity changes, the way we look at our vocation, our calling, our work is changed. And one of the things that, uh, deeply changes our work is specifically the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about here. And, um, I think we should start with what is the gospel, and then we'll talk about how that impacts the way that we work and, uh, get things done. Uh, But first, before we jump into that, if you are new to the show, um, that's great. Welcome. But if you've been here for a while and you're interested in supporting the show, kind of helping us to keep things going, one thing I always neglect to mention is that we do have a Patreon. There's 40 or 50 people on there right now, and you can give just a few bucks a month or more if you like, and that helps us to keep producing the show that is available at patreon.com slash redeeming prod if you'd like to do that that would be really helpful no pressure at all so what is the gospel the gospel is just a, a, a word that means the good news. It is the glad tidings that God has provided a way of salvation for us. Salvation from what? Salvation from the wrath of God. Mankind was created to be image bearers of God. That means we were supposed to show what God is like in our attitudes and our actions and in our virtues. But we failed at that. And that's what we call sin, is when we fall short of the glory of God. we fall Fallen short of that mission of bringing God glory through living lives that reflect what he is actually like. So when I lie, I fall short of glorifying God as a God of truth. When I, um, you know, uh, murder, I fall short of God's call to not kill other image bearers. And I'm marring the image of God in that. So all of these things go back to our original purpose of being created in the image of God, and we've fallen short of that purpose. And that falling short comes with a penalty. It says in Romans, um, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So everybody's got this problem this problem of sin, this problem of falling short. And that problem is accompanied by a penalty. It says later in Romans that the wages of sin is death. What you owe for sin, for violating God's commands, for falling short of his call to be an image bearer who glorifies him. What are you owed for that? What have you earned? What are your wages? The wages of sin is death is death. We all deserve death. And that's not just a little death. That's big death. It's talking about hell, eternal hell. This is bad news, right? And the good news is that there's a solution to this problem. And it's not by us being more moral. It's not by us trying to be better people. The good news is that God himself provided a way for us to be forgiven for our sin and not just forgiven, but actually declared positively righteous. By sending his son, Jesus Christ, who came 2000 years ago, who was himself, God, the second person of the Trinity. He lived a perfect life, never sinning, fulfilling the law in all things, doing what we had so utterly failed to do. And not only that, not only did he fulfill the law, he died on the cross and thereby paying the penalty that we deserved for our sin. And so that all who trust in Jesus Christ can be forgiven for our sins and not just forgiven, but as I said, declared righteous, have a right standing before God. That's why it's called good news. That's why it's the good news. And... My contention is that not only does it change everything about your eternal destiny, you know, which it's right that we emphasize that, that instead of going to hell, those who have believed in Jesus Christ are now bound for heaven, an eternal uh, um, time to be with God, who is the fount of all blessings himself. This is amazing, right? But it also changes everything about our day to day. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes when you think about the gospel, you think, yeah, that was the thing where I believed in that. And then now I'm I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven instead. And now we just hang out, right? What do we do in the meantime? Before we, we get to heaven, before we, we die or, or Christ returns, what do we do? Well, we just hang out. We, do, we just go to church, right? Uh, I try to avoid the big sins and read my Bible, right? Like these things are good things, right? That's part of being a Christian as part of walking in holiness is, is trying to pursue those things, uh, so that you are growing and so that you are serving God. But I would contend that the gospel really does change everything about how you view your life and purpose and your work. And so in this context of what does it mean to get things done? What does it mean to be productive? It's fundamentally reshaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The whole way you view your work and your productivity looks different. When you look at it through the lens of the gospel, I I have uh, I shoot a video version of this. If you're just listening and that's available on YouTube, but I use lenses. I use cameras with lenses on them. And they can look different. Look, if you're watching this, I'll, I'll switch between the two. The, this is my side camera and it's a different look it. It's a 50 millimeter lens. It, I'm, the background is compressed. It's more blurry. It reshapes how I look. And in the same way, the gospel itself is a lens for how we look at life. It should reshape how we view all things. And that is not limited just to spiritual things. It also extends to our, our work. So. That is what we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about five ways that the gospel uh, changes the way that a Christian should view productivity. And the first one is that the gospel makes your work meaningful. The gospel makes your work meaningful. What do I mean by that? I mean that... You know, we all want what we do to matter. There's a a big movement uh, has been since probably the mid two thousands about people, even non believers, looking for what they called meaningful work, right? And the companies wouldn't just have uh, the thing that they did; they also had a uh, a purpose. You know, I remember Tom's Shoes, right? I think that's still around. You'd buy a pair, they'd give a pair, and there was a lot of these things where it's like you couldn't just be a company; you also had to have some initiative that gave meaning to the work. So the people that came work for you felt like they were doing something in this world. And I, I think that all of us are looking for meaning in our work. It doesn't surprise me that people would pursue jobs that were meaningful like that. But what's really cool is we don't have to import our own meaning or sort of invent, um, structures of meaning around our work. If you are a Christian, no matter what you do, you can be confident that if you are doing your work as an act of worship unto God, your work matters. No matter what it is, it matters eternally. It says in Colossians three twenty three through 24, which I, I probably quote this every other episode, and I'm going to quote it till you memorize it, but it's Colossians three twenty three through 24, whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I love that. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter. Are are you, are you a janitor? Are you a homemaker? Are you a a well-paid CEO? Are you a business owner? Are you a retiree? What is it you're doing? Doesn't matter. Whatever it is, work heartily work from the heart work hard. How? Not for people says, as for the Lord and not for men, that's the key distinctive there is it's how you view your work. And this is what I say. The gospel is a lens. It's, it's the way you look at your work. The gospel should change that. The gospel gives meaning to your work because it makes you see it as my work is not just a way for me to get a paycheck. It's not even just a way for me to fulfill whatever my company's mission is, whatever the main thing you've been called to it's primarily, and you have to view it this way. It's primarily something I do as unto the Lord, which is to say, I'm not doing it for the sake of what people think of me, but I'm doing it as a way to glorify God with my life. And I think that where this comes in so handy is it's really easy for us to get caught up in complaining about our boss of the hours, or, you know, my lot in life. Oh, I hate my job or I hate that. I have to do this. It seems so meaningless. No, you're not thinking about it. Right. You're not thinking it right. When we do that, we're forgetting that ultimately your work is meaningful beyond its immediate outcomes. It's meaningful is when you do it for God's glory, when you work as unto the Lord, it gives a purpose to your work, which far exceeds the work itself. So the gospel changes our productivity firstly in that it makes our work meaningful. And the second way the gospel changes how we think about productivity is that the gospel shapes your priorities. The gospel shapes your Priorities. Uh, this is an important one. I, I think that more important than getting things done is deciding which things you should get done, right? This is the classic distinction between efficiency and effectiveness. Efficiency means doing the things quickly, doing them well. Effectiveness is making sure you're actually doing the right things. It's a question of priorities, right? And so y- a lot of times we struggle with this, right? One of the biggest tasks, I think, in being productive is finding the clarity to know what I should be working on. It's more a question of focus than it is efficiency. You know, should I choose option A, B, or C? Should I, I could work on this project, that project, or the other one, right? And so there's a lot of books that help with this. One of them that's really helpful is The One Thing, uh, which talks about how to basically focus on the most important, highest leverage thing each day, and gives you some tools for doing that. But as Christians, these decisions are actually made a bit easier for us. What I mean is priorities are sort of set in advance for us. We have our highest priorities already uh, locked in off the bat. It's not arbitrary or, or subjective. You don't need to just rely on your own intuition to say, well, well what are my biggest priorities? Th- there's some guardrails in place um, right from the start because of the gospel. Because the gospel makes our number one priority crystal clear from the start. It, it says that, that we need to our chief end is to glorify God, or, or as Jesus said in Matthew 633, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so he's talking about not worrying about food or, or clothing, but instead make your number one priority, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first, right? It's a priority thing. What's the number one thing on your list? What's the the singular priority that brings everything else into focus? It's this seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. If you do that, that's your number one task. If you do that, everything else starts to fall in line behind it. Everything else becomes much clearer. And so if we put that at the top of our to-do list today and every day, we will find that the gospel really does start to shape the priorities of even the other stuff we're working on. We don't get so bent out of shape, um, letting other things shape our priorities. So like, let me, let me give you a contrast, right? What if money was the chief priority in your life? What would happen then? Well, you would start to prioritize based on money. Your questions you'd be asking yourself would be not, does taking this job glorify God? You would be asking which job is the most lucrative, right? You, you wouldn't be asking, um, would, Would spending some money to, um, fix up my house, make it more inviting, more hospitable for people is, is, is that a way I could serve people and, and be a source of hospitality to them? You, you'd ask that if, if Christ's kingdom and his righteousness was your number one priority, but if money is your number one priority, you're going to say, I just need to save money. I'm going to skimp there. Why look, who are these people? Why should I serve them? Right. Who what's at the top? Right. This is the question of who you worship, honestly. I mean, Jesus said, uh, you can't serve God in money because you can't serve two masters, either you love one or you, and you hate the other. It's just not possible to serve two masters. And so what happens is when the gospel is your number one priority or when you have the gospel and you understand that you've been forgiven by, by God and that you have a purpose in this world to glorify him suddenly. have so much clarity around everything else. You're making decisions in light of the gospel. That's all I'm saying here. So that's number two, the gospel shapes your priorities. Number three is that the gospel equips you to be fruitful. So the third way the gospel changes our productivity is that it empowers us for fruitfulness, right? We don't just serve out of our own power. We don't just be productive using, you know fresh tips and techniques and certain apps and like all that stuff's good, you know? And, and if you go on my website, redeemingproductivity.com, we've got articles on different apps you can use and different techniques for setting goals, all that stuff, that stuff's important. But the gospel equips us in unique ways. It equips us to be fruitful, right? It, it empowers us. We, we don't just serve in our own power. We do so according to the strength that God provides. Here's another verse for you. First Peter four 11. Um, this is the second part of it, he says, whoever serves, serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Okay. So if you're, if you're serving, how should you do it? Should you do it in your own power? No, he's saying serve by the strength that God supplies. Why? In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him, be the glory and dominion forever and ever. You catch that. So if you, if you serve, you should do so in God's power. Why? So that in all of your service, God gets the glory, right? This is, this is one of the the beautiful things about living a God glorifying life is when you rely upon God's power to strengthen you, whether that's through prayer or through, um, the spiritual gifts he's given you or, or through the, the, the means of, of the local church, when you are relying on God's power and he works through you, it's not you who gets the glory, it's God. And so that's one of the amazing things is the gospel equips you to be fruitful you can be more quote unquote productive because you're working in God's power. And if you define productivity the way that, that I think we should, which is, is maximal fruitfulness for God's glory. Well, then the best way to do that is to rely on the power that God supplies. So this is what's so cool. If you're a Christian, you've been uniquely gifted with both natural and spiritual gifts that make you especially useful to God. And so it's not just up to your own wits or your own personal prowess or whatever. Those who have trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ are sitting on a treasure trove of resources that equip us to serve and be productive for God's glory. And when we use those, he gets more glory. It's really beautiful. So I would say take advantage of the ways the gospel equips you to be fruitful, lean into your giftings, Um, go to him in prayer, right? Ask for his power through prayer. Be involved in your local church and just watch how your fruitfulness soars. So, so far we've looked at how the gospel makes you work meaningful, how the gospel shapes your priorities and third, how the gospel equips you to be fruitful. Next, we're going to talk about the gospel, how it gives us grace when we fail. But before we jump to that, I just want to share a quick word from today's sponsors. Pornography is not a comfortable subject, but did you know that seven out of ten men and one out of three women in the church today are struggling with pornography? It's the secret sin that no one wants to talk about. If porn is impacting your life or the life of someone you know, there is hope. You can begin a life of accountability and a journey toward freedom today. We all need biblical accountability, and by walking that path, you can have peace of mind knowing you're not alone in the fight. And that's how Covenant Eyes works, through accountability. When you sign up, you will choose an ally who will receive your device reports and walk you toward a life free from porn, and the life that God desires for you. Try it free for 30 days by visiting CovenantEyes.com and entering the promo code ROSE at checkout. That's R-O-S-E. That's CovenantEyes.com, promo code ROSE, R-O-S-E, at checkout. Don't let shame keep you from the life God has for you. Take back your life, your marriage, and your relationships. Freedom and healing can begin today. All right, we've got just two more ways we're going to cover how the gospel reshapes our um, productivity. So the next one is number four, is that the gospel gives you grace when you fail and the gospel gives you grace when you fail. I think the most important thing of all is that the gospel is the good news of God's grace, right? It's not my merit that, uh, or my good works that give me a right standing before God it's grace unmerited or undeserved favor from God. Right. And what's so wonderful about this is that the grace of God has covered our sins completely, and he's declared us righteousness by this free gift. The the grace then gives us confidence that we can draw near to God, even when we sin. Why? Because we know that forgiveness has already been supplied through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, right? We're already forgiven. That's why Hebrews talks about. We can boldly draw near to the throne of grace because Christ has made a way for us. It's already been paid for, but too often, I think that we can forget how to live under grace, right? We, even in our daily failings, this should affect how we think about them, how we fail how we fall short in specific sins, right? But also how we fall short, even of excellence in the things that we've been called to, right? And, and so often what we can do is what we resort to like beating ourselves up and just being really hard on ourselves instead of remembering, Hey, wait a second. I'm under grace. This is covered this is covered. Uh, I'm okay. I was recently watching um, a short film, because I'm really artsy like that. Now, I'd, I'd heard a bunch of things about this movie. It's an animated film. It's called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. That's the actual title of it. It's just a list of, of a child and three animals. <laughs> but it's it was good. It's a very short, like traditionally animated, 2D animated film. And it's like really beautifully drawn and it's about this little boy and he's got some little forest animal friends and he's kind of looking for home. That's the, the premise, but it, I think it's sort of a metaphor for growing up. Maybe I'm not sure exactly, but at any rate, at one point in the story, he's riding on the back of the horse and the horse is galloping really fast. And all the other animals are up on top of the horse too. And the boy has his arms out, starts to let go of the horse and puts his arms out wide and then the horse does a jump. And the kid falls off and he crashes into this little creek. And all the animals come back over to see that he's okay. And they're checking on him and he just has his head down and he's not hurt, but he is just so filled with shame. And I I was watching this movie and I actually like started to tear up because this boy is just beating himself up. He's like, it's my fault. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have let go. And the animals are kind of, you know comforting him. This animal, the animals talk in this movie. And so I thought it was just such a, a great reminder of how hard we can be on ourselves when we fail. That's why I think I, I got a little emotional watching it. Cause like I'm that way too. It's not even just with sins. Of course it's with sins. You just start beating yourself up. You're like, if I beat myself up enough, then I can go to God and be forgiven. But, but not until I really, really make myself feel bad about it. It's like, no pal, you, you don't need to pay penance. You have been forgiven by that blood that was shed on the cross. And and I think this does apply even in how we beat ourselves up about falling short at excellence in the things we do. I don't think that these things are so far separated that, that we're, we think there's this category for well, when I do big sins or I, or I lie or I lust or do something like this, then I can think about grace. We need to let this idea permeate our work, too. When you fall short, you don't need to beat yourself up. There's no purpose to it. Don't do it. Remember that you're under grace. And so whether you fall into sin or you just fail at living up to your own standards for yourselves in your work, the the instinct to self-abasement can be kind of hard to break, but we have to be careful of not just doing what the world says to do in these instances. And they say, well, don't worry so much. Just let it go. Why can't you forgive yourself? That's. That, that all sounds good, right? That's not the right answer. The right answer is when you start beating yourself up is to look back at the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember, I am forgiven. I am declared righteous in Christ. And I, though I fall short, my sufficiency is in him, not in myself. And then stand back up and get back to work. Um, that's, that's what it takes. The gospel is this sweet balm that, that we can apply when we fall short. It's the reminder that God isn't waiting around to wallop you. He, he's already paid the penalty for those things. And so stop knocking yourself down. Stop beating yourself up and and remember you can go to him for grace and, and remember that he's invited you into the privilege of being a steward and every failure he already knew of in advance and he's already paid for on the cross. So the gospel changes the way we look at our productivity because it gives us grace when we fail. And the fifth and final way that the gospel shapes the way we think about our productivity is number five. The gospel guarantees your success. The gospel guarantees your success. Now I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. If you don't know what the prosperity gospel is, it's those people typically on TV who are like, if you give money, God is going to bless you with more money, with good looks, with health and material success, right? It, it is an awful, uh, abominable Message which turns God into a genie. That's not what we're talking about here. They, they, they will tell you, you follow God as this transactional thing so that you can get all the, the dreams of your sinful heart. Just follow God and rub the lamp and he's going to give you everything he wants. And the real horror of it is not that this that this message, this unbiblical message promises too much. It's that it doesn't promise enough. It falls short of the real beauty of what it means to follow Christ and the reward inherent to that. It's much better than physical health. It's much better than material wealth. It's much better than, than reputation or success in this world. It's so much better than worldly success because it's heavenly success. And so the gospel changes the way we look at our productivity because we can, we can re jigger in our thinking, how we even define success. So what do you define success as? Well, success is, you know, I, I get the praise of the people. I get the promotion. I, I get the money. I You know, you have all the different things that you line up and you say, that's what success would look like for me. But when you, when you look at your productivity in light of the gospel, you recognize that success is not necessarily tied to earthly success, even in the projects you undertake, even the things you're working on. The truth is that because of the gospel, even if every earthly endeavor you embark upon ends in you flopping down, falling on your face and failing. If you've done your work as unto the Lord, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, you will have succeeded in the only thing that ultimately matters. That's in bringing him glory with your life. And so that's what I mean when I say the gospel guarantees your success, because even in the face of temporal earthly failure, if you operate from the right heart with a desire to serve him, you will have eternal. Reward you will, it will have been successful in the long run. So don't hedge your bets. It's I guess the takeaway from this one, go all in for God and his glory. Don't try to serve two masters. Don't say I'm trying to serve earthly success and eternal success. No, forget that son (laughs) or daughter. (laughs) You got to focus fully all of your energies, bet it all on black. You're all in for God because it's guaranteed to win. You will be successful in the long run, in eternity. Be a living sacrifice. Fall flat on your face, knowing that if you are serving Christ, in the long run, you will have succeeded in eternity. And in the long run, that's really all that matters, isn't it? Well, I hope that you've been encouraged by this episode. I hope that you've received some encouragement to look at the cross, to be reminded of the gospel, that it's not just a prayer you said it's, it's the trust in Jesus Christ that ought to permeate every aspect of our lives, whether that's our, our time in church, the spiritual side of things, but even in our work and in our callings and our vocations. So remember the gospel does change the way we look at productivity. And that's a good thing. Well, thanks for joining me this week on the Redeeming Productivity Show. I hope this episode was encouraging to you and I will see you again here next week. But until I do, remember this, in whatever you do, do it well and do it all for the glory of God. For more productivity from a Christian worldview, check out my weekly newsletter, Reagan's Roundup. Every Thursday, I share an insight along with the five best links I found that week, that I think will help you in your journey to becoming a more productive Christian. It's totally free. Just go to newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com to sign up for Reagan's roundup. That's newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com.